Hey, good morning again, everybody. If you guys haven't turned there already, you can make your way to the book of Isaiah chapter 40. Pastor Rob is in Colorado this morning, and he is teaching at uh, Calvary Chapel Aurora. So uh, we'll pray for him shortly, but he's looking forward to getting back. And uh, this Wednesday night, he's going to be continuing in the book of Romans, the study through chapter 12, speaking about the gifts of the Spirit. Usually when we think of the gifts of the Spirit, we're more prone to kind of be drawn towards those mystical gifts like the gifts of prophecy and tongues. But but Rob's going to focus in on Paul's sharing that there are gifts of helps and mercy, very practical gifts that that are, are absolutely important and vital to the health and the beauty of the church. So looking forward to that. Hopefully you can join us for that if you are able. And let's go ahead and pray this morning for our time and also for Rob. Lord, we do just lift up uh, Rob to you and pray, Lord, uh, that you would just be with him. I'm sure he's probably already taught, but you would just continue to bless his time there. And you'd bless our time, Lord. We're so grateful for this book, Lord, and the words that are here that we know, Lord, are, are from you to help us, to aid us but also, Lord, to grow and transform us from the inside out. Lord, we pray, Lord, that uh, that is done this morning as your spirit just is here among us. Lord, it, it is what activates, Lord, uh, our hearts to be aware of, Lord, where we may need to, to change. And, and I think that you want to especially encourage us this morning as your church by way of resilience and courage. So I pray you would impart that this morning for your uh, glory, Lord, and, and our good. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, it was late December in the year of 1776. George Washington and his men had already been driven out of New York, were on their heels and being chased across the state of New Jersey. And and not only that, but about 6,000 or so of his men were feeling quite anxious and longing for home because their enlistments were running out in only two short weeks. And with all this going on, knowing that his troops were demoralized and beaten, they were hungry and, and they were longing for home. General George Washington had these stirring words written by one Thomas Paine written to them. He read that these are the times that try men's souls. The summer soldier and the sunshine patriot will in this crisis shrink from the service of their country, but he that stands by it now deserves the love and thanks of man and woman. Tyranny, like hell, is not easily conquered, yet we have this consolation with us, that the harder the conflict, the more glorious the triumph. You know, one historian would note that as George Washington uh, read the rest of this essay written by Thomas Paine, known as The Crisis, he, he mentioned that it takes usually more than just mere words to arouse and inspire the beaten soldier, but somehow, some way, like an adrenaline shot of courage, these words had their impact on those worn out patriots that day, where two days later, found them crossing the Delaware River, where these soldiers in weather that was so cold were told that two of them froze to death, but on that 
cold morning after Christmas Day, they caught the British completely off guard. And in that surprise attack, Washington and his men captured the whole contingent of British uh, mercenaries, these Hessian mercenaries, without a single soldier being killed in the battle. It was a huge turning point in that war. Thomas Paine's words aroused those men at a much needed time. And the outcome, it not only changed the course of many of their lives back then, but of course it paved the way for the freedoms that we enjoy in this country today. And throughout our history, this country has had to endure a great many of trying times. From the Civil War, to the Civil Rights Movement, to wars and rumors of wars, to even tragic events like 9-11, or the countless amount of shootings that we wake up to on the news There have been many of those times. And these moments have brought about a transformation for for both our country and its people. Some people would tell you that they've been, they felt like they've been united through these times. Strengthened and, and they've grown through these moments that have been hard. Where other people might admit that they feel like these moments have left them devastated and destroyed. Their lives left shattered And you know what, even bringing it closer to home, I know that we've experienced things in our life, personally, we've had to deal with moments that have brought us to a tipping point, where these difficult times in our lives have have challenged us to either grow bitter or to get better, allowed us to either grow cynical or to get stronger. And so the question I have for us today is what makes the difference between the two? What is it that that you and I need that we may face trouble in this life without it destroying us, but, but that we're actually transformed through it? Like, what do we need for our own trying times? And this brings us to our topic this morning, and that is the topic of resilience. And what is resilience? Resilience is that, that ability to recover quickly, to adapt, to, to bounce back from life's many difficulties. And in our day and age, resilience, well, it's something that we all need, especially where most believe that, that we're at a, a fragile time in our society, where it seems that so much just kind of hangs in the balance, you know, whether if it's, you know, hanging on the next election or the next big story, the next big scandal, like so much relies on these events and it'll have such dramatic impact on our society. And again, on a a personal note, I mean, it doesn't take much for us to admit that maybe some of our lives, maybe we're feeling like we're, we're at that same tipping point. You know, if something were to change, if something were to happen, like this relationship ends or, or this job doesn't work out, this medication or this procedure doesn't work, this job, you know, or this bill doesn't get paid. I mean, it would affect us dramatically. Friends, we all need resilience. And so this morning, what we're going to do is just make three simple notes when it comes to resilience. Number one, where we find it. Number two, how it's possible. And number three, why it's so important for us as believers. In our roadmap this morning, we're going to go through the, the book of Isaiah in this 40th chapter. And, and, and we note that Isaiah was a prophet who wrote and spoke for the Lord in a very fragile time there in Israel. 
They were, they were living in a time where their nation was broken. It was, it was divided. And as Isaiah condemned this culture that was steeped in idolatry, had given in to this empty ritualism, Isaiah also foresaw this coming season of conflict and captivity. And so because of this, he, he was communicating these warnings from God. But also, as we get to this 40th chapter, he starts to speak these words of comfort and care as he paints this prophetic picture of Jesus Christ. But Isaiah's words to them then in that time, these words of comfort to them, they also can bring comfort to us who now have an even better, a more clearer picture of our Savior and what he provides for us. So we're going to go ahead and begin there in verse 1 in chapter 40. Isaiah writes, Comfort, yes, comfort my people, says your God. Speak comfort to Jerusalem and cry out to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted, Every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight and the rough places smooth. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. So, I mean, we can already hear this messianic tone of Isaiah where he's, he's, he's painting this picture of this coming Messiah, this coming Savior. And he's talking about Jesus 700 years before Jesus would even be born. And, and Isaiah is, 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 in an Old Testament way, proclaiming the gospel. He said, the battle's been won. The price has been paid. Your sins are forgiven. Prepare the way of the Lord. Speaking these verses that John the Baptist would reference in his generation. And he goes on, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Verse 6. The voice says, cry out. And he says, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and its loveliness is like the flower of the field. Did I mention that you guys all look lovely this morning? Like a bed of flowers. You do. But, verse 7, the grass, it withers. Uh-oh. The flower, it fades because the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. Verse 8, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. So where can fragile people in fragile times find resilience? Friends, resilience is found in God's everlasting word. It's found in the word of God. And I would guess that most of us here, we would agree, we believe that the Bible is God's living and powerful word. 100% reliable and trustworthy. But I also believe that sometimes the distance in believing in something, depending in it, relying upon it, well, sometimes that could be miles and miles apart. C.S. Lewis wrote of this difference in a book that he wrote shortly following his wife's own death. C.S. Lewis writes in a, a grief observed that you never know how much you really believe anything until its truth or falsehood becomes a matter of life and death to you. It's easy to say you believe a rope to be strong and sound as long as you're using it to merely tie a box 
But suppose you had to hang by that rope over a cliff. Wouldn't you then first discover how much you really trusted it? So good. C.S. Lewis, speaking of God's word, says that you and I, we come to a greater belief and trust in something when it becomes to us a matter of life and death. You know, it's all too easy to, you know, view this book and to view these words. You know, when everything's going right, it's just there for us when we need it. It's there on the shelf, and maybe we crack it open a couple times a year. But listen, when things are going on in our life that bring us to the tipping point, when when tough times happen, difficult moments arise, we hang on every word for dear life, it seems. And that's when God's word, as C.S. Lewis illustrates in that rope, it becomes something totally different. It takes on a whole new meaning and reality for us. You know, those believers in Thessalonica, well, they found this to be true. When Paul passed through their town on his second missionary trip, he started preaching the gospel and a group kind of accepted these words and a small church, a little Bible study was started where he was able to kind of pour into them and try to, try to teach them and, and nurture them in their faith. But very quickly, this opposition that had been following Paul around came and chased him out of town sabotaging, trying to sabotage everything that he had done. And so Paul kind of sends Timothy back later like, man, you got to go check on these young believers. You got to go check on this little church to see how they're doing. So Timothy goes, he comes back with this amazing report, how well they're doing. And Paul, so excited, he writes this letter back to them. And he says there in that letter, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, that, that we also thank God constantly for this, that when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the words of men, but what it really is, the word of God that is at work in you believers. Paul's pointing to something that he and Timothy recognized and noticed was key to their spiritual survival, that when they heard the gospel, they welcomed it and received it. Not just as words of man. They knew it wasn't just Paul's kind of ideas and opinions about, you know, religion and how church should be run. It wasn't just a nice collection of stories. No, they received it. They knew in that extreme difficulty that they were faced with, With persecution in exercising their own faith, they knew what they were hearing was given them the power to sustain them. It gave them the boldness to continue and the courage they needed. These were literally for them the words of life and death. And Paul wasn't just, you know, simply like pulling out the scrolls and going through the, the law of Moses with them. But, but what Paul was sharing with them was largely based around the life, the words, the ministry, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul was sharing the gospel with them, and they knew that these words were life-changing, courage-giving, gospel 
was life or death to them. And, and I loved, I was listening to Rob's message of last Wednesday, knowing I was going to talk about this, and he did such a great job of explaining the, the importance in our transformation by God's word. Well, it comes not just in Bible study alone, not, not just with merely us, you know, memorizing verses, but it comes from the Holy Spirit as we focus in and behold Jesus in the scriptures. Jesus even noted this when he was talking to the the religious leaders and the teachers of the law. These, These men knew the law. They had it memorized. They knew it back and forth. And he pointed out to them that you think these words bring you eternal life. But the scriptures point to me. The Bible is, it's, it's vital that when we look at it, we read it, that we make sure we behold Jesus. For it's in his presence, as we behold Jesus, that's when we are changed. When we seek out, search for, and meditate. That's when, like Paul says, we are changed and transformed into his image from glory to glory. Paul wasn't thanking God that these Thessalonians were somehow, you know, just they had some innate courage about them or that they had some ability, you know, to overcome within themselves. And that's so key that we know that through our difficult moments, through the trials that we're faced with, that we're not relying upon ourselves and have confidence within ourselves because friends, we were never meant or designed to carry that weight, to bear that burden. Isaiah points that out when he talks about how, how we are like grass. We are frail, fragile. The flower fades, unfortunately. But Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. God's word will stand forever. And that's where we find, we take our stand upon the word of God. And obviously, we focus a great deal of moments of of teaching and preaching God's anointed word here at Calvary Vista. We do, but I think more importantly, this is speaking of those times when you and I, we spend time in God's word alone and we open it up and not just read it, but we allow it to read us, to speak to us, to transform and change us. We need anointed times of listening personally because these are the words of life. As we behold Jesus, we find the resilience that you and I need as fragile people in fragile moments. Resilience is found in God's word. Let's jump to verse 27. There in chapter 40, where Isaiah writes, Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my just claim is passed over by my God. Verse 28, Have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable, and he gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases strength. Next, how is resilience possible? Well, friends, resilience is God-given. It's not flesh-driven. Resilience is something that is given by God. Isaiah, in the verses we just read, says there, the creator of the earth, the creator of of the universe, he doesn't get tired, he doesn't get weak, he doesn't have to catch his breath as often as I do. 
What does that mean for us? It means resilience is not something that you and I achieve, but resilience is something that we receive from God. In the next chapter of Isaiah, speaking for God, God delivers these words of assurance to his people saying, hey, I was there in the beginning I just want to remind you, I was there in the beginning. I'll be there at the end. I'm there in between. He says, I've chosen you. I've called you. You do not have to fear because I am with you and I will make you strong and I will help you, protect you. I will save you because I am the Lord, your God. He makes it clear to his people. He makes it clear to us today, resilience is not something you and I can achieve, but it's something we receive from God. And I know that there are some of us that might, you know, kind of be mistaken and think, well, well, yeah, resilience is something, you know, for, for other people with that, you know, type of personality, you know, that those types of people that are just able to overcome. We're like, yeah, those, those extroverts, you know, that are just out there. Yeah, those types of people, you know, the ENTP on the Myers-Briggs or the eight on the Enneagram, like they're, they, hey, bring those challenges on, you know, for them, but not for me, you know, because alas, I am not like that person. That's not my personality type. But listen, the good news is, despite our personality, God desires to produce things in your life and in my life that we never thought possible. God wants to produce things in your life, in tough and difficult situations that you never thought you would be able to experience and overcome. That's just our God. He desires to produce those things in you for our good, for his glory. The transformation that takes place is not something that's meant to be natural, but instead supernatural. The character, the attitude, the heart change. I mean, think about it. When we came to Christ, the change in desire We didn't desire to do those things anymore, but we desire to pursue the Lord and the things of the Lord. That wasn't a natural thing. That was God-given. Just like in those moments of difficulty, the, the courage and the strength that we have to endure, the resilience, it is all possible through the Holy Spirit, supernatural work in and through our lives. And yet so many, I believe, miss out on this because they confuse spirituality with personality. Thinking, there's no way I could do that. No way I could be like that. Of course they can, but not me. But that couldn't be farther from the truth. I mean, just think about Jesus's own disciples, those 12 hand-picked men that we read about in the New Testament. I mean, these guys are, you know, intimidated. They're confused. Uh, Dare we say cowards at moments. Quite self-centered. Just like me. But, you know, what we see is in the New Testament. What do we see in the New Testament? Well, in the New Testament, Jesus is alive. His spirit is poured out upon men. And these same men and women who once were selfish and scared and intimidated and weak, well, all of a sudden, 
They are full of courage and wisdom. They are not afraid. They are not ashamed. They are proclaimers of the truth with so much boldness. They are sweet shepherds of the church. These men and women experienced an ability that didn't originate from themselves, but it came from God. Resilience is possible. It's not something we achieve, but instead, it's something that we can receive from God. It's not something for special believers or special personalities, but it is for you and I to experience, especially in our hard times. One last thing I want to add in understanding resilience is possible and that it comes from God. You know, I know in our day and age, we're so used to, we want something, you know, we just go to Amazon. Need resilience? Is it prime? Hey, I'll get it in a day. But instead, listen, resilience and courage, these things that we need, they are found in the presence of God. And if you are in need of these things, it is in his presence that we run to, that we wait on, commune with him in these moments and pour out our heart. Lord, This is going on right now. I need you. I need endurance because I don't think I'm going to make it. I'm so afraid of what's going on. I don't know what to do. I don't know how I am going to be able to overcome Jesus. I need courage. I need resilience. And you know what? Even though the Lord already knows all these things, these are those moments where he can impart these things to us in his presence. May we be encouraged to do just what he asks. I know one of his favorite phrases in the Bible is come to me. It's for that reason that we would come to him and where we are in need of these things, especially resilience, we find that it is possible. Continuing there, verse 30. Isaiah writes, even the youths shall faint and be weary and the young men shall utterly fall, but Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength, and they shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Lastly, friends, why is resilience so important for us as Christians? Listen, resilience is so important because just like Isaiah pointed out, it's in the patient waiting that God brings us to a whole different perspective. And that perspective is so important. So important. A couple weeks ago, I attempted to hike up to the top, to the peak of Mount Baldy, there in the San Gabriel Mountains here in San Bernardino. And, and it wasn't the smartest decision that I've made lately. But, you know, some of you kind of already know because I've been whining about how sore it made me. But on the climb up, you know, trying to reach the top, there was a, a, a moment where, of course, I was out of breath. But, but all of a sudden, my body was like, no, I'm not doing this. I don't want to do this anymore. And I couldn't even, like, you know, move as quickly as I wanted to. I mean, really, it got to the, the point where, where my pace slowed down, where I was really just focusing on putting one foot in front of the other. That's all I could do. That's all I could focus on. Like looking up at the peak, you know, and seeing all these little people like celebrate up there. That didn't even motivate me. I didn't even want to be with them. I didn't care about making it to the top. I even like questioned, you know, like, should I even continue? But, but I kind of came to that point. I was like, you know, it's not going to kill me if I go on. So I went on. But several points, kind of as we were going up 
up there to the, the peak, there were several moments where, you know, you could just stop and just take in the view. Like, at least that's what my excuse was. But, but you could just stop and, like, look out and see, like, this amazing view, like the huge highways that we, you know, took to get there. There were just these tiny roads, these tiny cars, you know, on them. You know, and we kind of would see the trail where we came up the mountain and feel sorry for the people down at the bottom. You know, kind of look and see, like, oh, my gosh, there's our car. Like, I wish I could beam there right now. <laughs> but listen, one thing that we need to understand in this concept of waiting that Isaiah speaks of here, and, and, and the topic of resilience, they go hand in hand They go together because often the strength that we need, the endurance and the resilience to overcome comes with that new perspective. It comes with that change of view. Because when we're in the beginning of a trial, you know, we're hit with that hardship. It's like standing at the base of that mountain just looming in front of us. Oh man, that's so intimidating, isn't it? You guys know the feeling. But listen, when we bring God into those moments, even into the midst of knowing and understanding our frailties, hey, he provides strength to endure. He gives us the ability to carry on. And sometimes it's just one step at a time, isn't it? That's all we can do. But that's okay because that's where he shows us. These new perspectives. He opens our eyes, maybe seeing a a fresh vision. We look back and we see where we've come and we're like, Lord, you helped me all that way. I know you're going to be faithful to continue. And he opens our eyes to these valuable things that were once hidden to us. And friends, I I think that in these perspectives, we find probably the greatest strength, the greatest resilience in our difficult moments. It's from those views and those new perspectives. And my brother and his wife, uh, and actually his whole family, they've been involved in the foster care program for about five years uh, now. And I know that they would tell you, if they were here, that what they imagined going into it was completely different than what they actually encountered. I remember the first girl that was placed with them. They were expecting a baby. They got a 14-year-old girl. And she had come from a horrible situation and spent much time in foster care going from home to home to home. These stories are so heartbreaking. But I remember the challenges and the struggles that my brother and his family encountered, and at least the ones that they, they shared with us, was hard. And over a period of time, through much prayer, and even as this girl became a part of our family, through the counseling and coaching, through the ministry that they worked through, they eventually had to place this girl with another family to find a better fit was not what they expected, and neither was the pain that followed. And I know some of us here know that feeling. But during the course of that time, we found out that this girl had two siblings, older sisters that were living locally and going to school in San Marcos. 
And my brother, you know, kind of would reach out to them and he invited them over for dinner. Reluctantly, reluctantly they, they came and once turned into twice, turned into three times. And then it was like once a month they were coming over and they were just feeding them, you know, a meal and playing games with them. My, my brother would go out and wash their cars for them. They'd let them do their laundry there. I'm just loving on these girls who never really had a family, treating them like it, they were their family. But it came to the point where these girls, I mean, they're adults, and they, 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 one night at the table, just asked my brother, who are you? Like, why are you people doing this to us? We don't even, like, know you. Why are you doing this? And it was in that moment my brother was able to share, share in word what he had been sharing, indeed, this whole time with these girls, that, that it was this, this love of Christ that they experienced that changed their life and gave them this whole new outlook where he saw them, these two girls and their sister, that, that they, were, they were daughters that were valued in God's eyes. And they were valued to him and his family. And even though their, their sister had to get placed in, a, in another home, which, by the way, she's doing great. You know, the reports of, of how she's doing now. She's been in the same location for a couple years, doing wonderful. But my brother and his wife still now communicate with these sisters who are still local. And, and, and they would have never imagined that. It's not what they expected. We, you know, I even remember from my vantage point being so frustrated that we were just adding to this girl's story as she was sent to another place. I didn't understand, but God did. He knew the whole time. And now the perspective that we have, it's beautiful. The next set of girls that my brother and his wife got just last year, I mean, it was like a 13-week-old a baby and her one-year-old sister. And, and as her parents or their parents who had made some horrible life decisions or just, they've made a great comeback. But through that process... You know, they would send these girls back, and all the girls wanted to do was come back to my, my brother's house, you know, and, and that relationship with the girls' real parents and my, my brother and his family weren't, it wasn't good. It was kind of contentious. But just a couple weeks ago, they were able to give the girls back to these parents who were doing so well, and they invited them to come to church. And this family comes to church never been to a church before, sits through an entire service, and at lunch, we're like, we've never been to church before. That was the most amazing thing we've ever experienced. What was happening when you guys were singing the songs, and there was something that was happening in that room, and we, were, we could feel it. They were moved. We want to come back. My brother and his wife would have never expected these things to happen. And you know what? Sometimes through our moments of challenge, we too, it's not what we expect. But God knew all along. And these views and perspectives can only come through time and patience and waiting on the Lord to reveal those things to us that give us endurance, give us courage, and we're able to overcome. And in this new perspective, God renews our strength. We will continue to run and not grow weary, even as fragile and frail people in a fragile world. It's such a beautiful truth. 
You know, the last thing, I, I, the last perspective I think we need to consider this morning uh, is usually when we speak about God and we talk about courage coming from him. I mean, we think about how like holy and righteous and mighty our God is. And those things are true. And maybe it's, you know, we're less prone to think of this, but here's something that we need to consider about God, and that is he is a God who has suffered He's a God who has suffered. We're maybe less prone to think of our mighty king experiencing frailty and human pain, but that is the truth, that he did suffer, probably more deeply than any of us could ever imagine. Isaiah would even talk about this prophetically. In Isaiah 53, he would would talk about the suffering Jesus when he notes that he was despised and rejected of man of sorrows, acquainted with the deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But, Isaiah says, he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we could be whole. He was whipped so that we could be healed. And that's the perspective of the suffering Savior. That is Jesus. And this perspective is so important for us because it reminds us the reason that he suffered was because he loved us still loves us. And although he endured that moment of suffering, friends, he also now enters into our moments of suffering as well. Because he has walked in our shoes. He knows exactly what it feels like. The pain, the frustration. But he has been there. And he is here for us right now in whatever situation that we are in. Whatever difficulty that you are faced with, whatever temptation that you're fighting, listen, he is here in your moment to bring help, to bring resilience. Because resilience for us, it's found in him. It's possible because of him. And it's important because as we see Christ Jesus, especially that suffering Savior, we know because of what he endured, now he is forever there for us. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this truth this morning. Thank you, Lord, for the salvation that that you have given, Lord, through the, the gift of your Son, who you allowed, Father, to be broken and bruised. Allowed, Lord, his blood to be poured out so that now we, Lord, we would have new life. We would be brought into the family of God, be one of your children, and Lord, have this hope of the inheritance where where one day, Lord, we will be brought to, Lord, the greatest perspective, and that is where we see you, Lord, face to face, and we are made like you. And Lord, the Bible says as we see you, Lord, we will not see you as a, as a king as much as we will recognize you as the lamb who was slain. 
And Lord, in that moment, I know we will probably be more overcome than we have ever been. But the Bible says, Lord, you will wipe away every tear. And by the grace of God, you will welcome us in and say, well done, good and faithful servant. Lord, I want to pray for us, for this church here this morning, that there, if there is anybody that is faced with these difficult moments, and Lord, the feeling of, of being fragile and frail, Lord, is, is probably the strongest feeling you're feeling now. Lord, I pray that this morning that they are encouraged to run to you, to find themselves in your presence and cry out to you that they would take upon your yoke that is easy, your burden that is light, and they would find in that moment the strength and resilience to continue on, that you would bring them to higher heights, show them new and amazing perspectives. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen.